Hey, it's Bobby Richards, producer of the Business Made Simple podcast. Every episode of the show, we focus on coaching you through what's keeping you up at night when it comes to running and growing your small business. The overwhelm is real, especially when you feel trapped in the day-to-day operation or stressed, discouraged, and constantly second-guessing the plan you've implemented for growth. Well, in Donald Miller's new book, How to Grow Your Small Business, you'll get a proven six-step plan for growth so you can stop drowning in the details and finally start spending more time doing the things you truly love, both in your business and in your life. So if you are ready to experience freedom, flexibility, and growth for your small business, How to Grow Your Small Business is the book you've been waiting for. And if you pre-order How to Grow Your Small Business at growyoursmallbusiness.com right now, you'll get a free audio summary of the book delivered right into your inbox. Stop losing sleep worrying about whether or not you're growing your small business the right way and start using a proven plan that works. Just pre-order How to Grow Your Small Business at growyoursmallbusiness.com. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about the Online Marketing Made Easy podcast hosted by my friend Amy Porterfield and brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. With a focus on online business, including digital courses, list building, social media, content, and webinars, every episode of Online Marketing Made Easy is designed to get you more results with a whole lot less stress. Here are some great episodes to check out right now. Six fun strategies for a quick cash injection. On this episode, you'll learn how to invest in your business while having the extra cash on hand to make it happen. How to host a live virtual event that will wow your audience. On that episode, you can learn how you can pull off a live virtual event like a pro and why memberships are the future of online. Learn how to determine what kind of membership is best for your business, the recent changes memberships have faced, and what that means for you. If you are needing to break down big ideas and strategies into actionable step-by-step processes, listen to Online Marketing Made Easy wherever you get your podcasts. Today on the podcast, we're going to talk about where you get money. And let's just say that you need a lot more money to do what you want to do than money that's coming in from your business. In other words, we're talking about private equity, venture capital. We're talking about going, getting a loan. Where do you get money to help you accomplish what you want to accomplish. If you have thought about investing in a company or you thought about bringing on an investor, you're going to love today's episode. I'm talking with Ryan Filsinger. He's the CEO of Iron Fox Games. It's a video game development studio. And Ryan is finding himself stuck trying to get money to do what he wants to do. He's got clients. They're paying him to do something, but he doesn't want to live client to client. He actually wants to create a product that he can put on the market so that he makes the money himself. With that, I want to welcome you to the Business Made Simple Podcast, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the only place that coaches you through a six-step plan to grow your small business. We do that by helping you build your business like an airplane. The cockpit is your leadership, the body is your overhead, the right engine is your marketing, the left engine is your sales, the wings are your products, and the fuel tanks, which is what we're going to talk about today, are your cash flow. If you master the six parts of a small business, your business will fly far and fast. Every week, we help a business owner just like you optimize their airplane. I'm your host, Donald Miller. And again, today, we're talking about how you bring in money to grow your company, to pivot your company when you're kind of just living hand to mouth. Do you bring in private equity? Do you bring in investors? 
Well, you got an interesting dilemma that I think a lot of people can identify with. Before we get into it, though, tell us what you do. Yeah, my name is Ryan Filsinger, and I am the CEO and founder of Iron Fox Games. Uh, we presently are work for hire game development studio. Clients hire us to build games and deliver the games that they want. Um, but the company itself is only six months old. Okay, and what sort of, like, do you make games? Or do you guys do all yeah. sorts of uh, online applications, or is it just games? It's mostly, it's just games, yeah. And what, what sort of games? Uh, web games, iPhone games. Got it, okay. Tell me what's keeping you up at night. You got, you got big clients. They're funneling money into the company. Uh, you're making yeah. games. You're working with people that you like. For six months, it's going well. But you're on the show, which means uh, you're losing sleep about something. What are you losing sleep about? Well, so as we're a bunch of creatives. So we've been together making games. And typically, we've always been told what to do. or always been told what we need to make. Uh, but we want to make our own thing. And right now, if we're as we're working as a services-based company, we want to move to a product-based company and build our own product and launch our own game. What's keeping us up at night is how do you make the transition from a services company to a product company? And at the moment, I only see two options. I see option A, where we build up a cash reserve, and then we spend that against our, our own salary burn rates, or we take on a VC capital money and we give up ownership, uh, which right now the team owns 100%. So, um, and neither of those really seem that appealing or that easy to transition to. Got it. Okay, so your what is your burn rate compared to how much money that you're making? In other words, how long would you need to not be able to make revenue to create a product that you could sell on the open market? About nine to 12 months. You have that now in, in hand? No, I'll, I'll have that in about six months, I think. Okay. Well, that's pretty good. And then you'd have nine to 12 months that you guys could try to make a product and bring it to market. That's a little scary because if that product doesn't work, you know, if nobody buys it, then you're right back at ground zero, except you burn through a bunch of money that you can't get back. All right. So, you know, I personally see a few options. You, you've mentioned a couple of them. One is you save up some money and you create a product in nine months and then you sell it. And then if that product sells, you now have the company and you're not making you're not making products for other people. So you, you've thought about that. The downside of that is you could, you know, I would imagine you got to create five or six games before you have one that actually takes off. So that's one way to do it. That is not a bad way to do it. You know, you have some risks, but the risks are really, you know, you worked nine months on your own, you're out of money, you don't have a game that you can sell because nobody wants it, and you go right back to creating clients. So it's not like you can't feed your family. The other option is, you know, venture capital or private equity, something like that. So somebody comes in, they give you a million dollars, but then they own the company and now you're working for somebody else and so forth. A lot of people, you know, take that route. Another option though would be that you actually only sell 40% of the company and you sell 40% to private equity and uh, they own 40% and you still own 60. And then you get that money to, to give it three tries. And I, I wouldn't take any less for 40% of the company than three tries. So that's probably going to be, what, $3 million or so? And then you still own 60% of the company. That's one way to do it. Another way to do it, and this is, this is the one that I think is a pretty good deal. What you actually do is you sell 50% of the game. So you go to somebody and you say, here's the game that we're thinking. Here's the game that it's similar to. Uh, here's how much that game made. We think we can do that. 50% uh, of it is going to cost, you know, whatever, a million dollars. And you get 50% of all the, you know, 
profit from this game from this point on. What's great about that is you're getting the money to cover your overhead and all of your salaries. And then when the game comes out, they're getting half that money and you're getting the other half. And nobody owns the company except you. You still own the company. They just own the game. They own half the game. Uh, th that would be three different ways to finance it. My favorite is you put away the money and you own the whole thing and you don't sell any of it. And it's not that big of a risk because you can always go back and take on a client. Did you ever consider the, the idea of selling half a game? Yeah, um, we have. We have actually talked to some clients that are interested in pursuing that kind of a relationship. Um, the problem is typically they come to us with uh, a specific idea that they want us to to build rather than our own uh, because they're out shopping and they, they're looking for developers. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I really like that, except, of course, you're not they're not coming to you with the idea and asking you to do the work for free, which is essentially what that is. There's another there's another way to do it. And it's very similar. And that is you bring together a group of investors. And so you actually let you know, it's a, it's an elite club, you know, 20 or 30 people get to invest. You send out a, a document stating what the new game is going to be, what the numbers on it are, projected revenue, things like that. And then people can opt in on whether or not to buy a piece of that. And you kind of create a, a community of, of buyers and, you know, they get to own half the game. This happens all the time with businesses. So a private equity firm will have a pretty closed group, a community of, say, 50 investors, and you can't get in. Uh, it's only those 50 investors. And they say, hey, we're looking at, at you know, this lawn care maintenance, you know, business, and they're currently doing $3 million. We think it can go to $25 million based on their area. Who wants in? And it, because it's of an exclusive club of investors, there's a little bit more of a scarcity, and people want to get in instead of you going out and begging. It's almost like you're just saying, hey, here's a here's a game we want to make. It's almost like you're selling a stock. And if this stock looks attractive to you, uh, this is what we need to do. And you can sell 10% of the game, 20% of the game, 40% of the game. You can sell 100% of the game. And that's how you would finance it. But nobody owns the company. You own the company. So there's some creative ways to finance things that are a little bit out of the box, but they give you a lot more control. That's how I would do it if I were you. However, I don't think we are done with the conversation. I, I'm curious as to whether there are creative ways that you can make revenue off your current business model. While you've been listening to this podcast episode, I bet you've also been actively trying to accomplish something else too, like driving your kids to practice, mastering the art of cooking, or dancing like no one else is watching. We get it. When you are having conversations with your customers, the same is probably true for them. They are IMing their teams or mentally planning date nights, so growing conversations beyond the moment can be challenging. HubSpot helps you go beyond the moment by connecting you and your teams, giving you access to the exact same data and helping you see the full customer picture, what motivates them, what their expectations are, and how you can blow them out of the water. With powerful tools that connect marketing, sales, ops, and service, HubSpot's powerful CRM platform powers you and your teams to transform customer moments into extraordinary customer experiences. Learn how HubSpot can help your business grow better at HubSpot.com. And now, back to the show. 
So people come to you and they want a game. What sort of company comes to you and wants to make a game? Well, there's publishing companies. There's stuff in the Web3 space, uh, people who have done really well and that, that have brands or products. Sort of the niche that we've been able to find for ourselves is people who have money, they have a brand that they are uh, used to working with, and they want a game developed around that brand. Uh, an example might be a, a Nike. Maybe Nike wants to have some kind of uh, shoe product or shoe game on the store. They have a, a, a some money that they would want to invest. They will have a game idea they want to build, and they're looking for a builder to come and, and make that. Is it mostly just sort of a marketing idea for marketing their shoes? It's sort of a fun game? It can be marketing. Sometimes they're like one and dones. Like you might, you know, a Facebook game or something that would be a marketing gimmick. Something might be a little more like meatier in terms of what kind of uh, like a larger product you might want to put on the, the app store. Um, and then sometimes we do internal stuff for other game makers who are building software for game makers and they need example games made for their products. To me, I, I, what I would want to do if I were in your shoes is I would want to come up with a product that could be duplicated across thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of brands. Like, so for a million dollars, we will introduce people to your brand. We'll help them understand why they need your product, uh, all that sort of stuff. Here's how we did that for Hostess Twinkies. And especially with kids, you know, with, with junior high students, junior high age students or something like that those kinds of products, then maybe even a lot of your code could just be cut and paste. So you could get something done in six weeks. Now you're making a million dollars every six weeks because you're selling a specific product to the marketing team at whatever corporation. You know, it's kind of like if I were a marketer and somebody said, hey, you know, we really need help creating a tagline and a logo. You know, I'd want to go back to them and say, well, I can create a tagline and a logo, but really what I create is an entire sales funnel. It's tagline, logo, style book, website, lead generator, email, and that's, you know, that's $45,000. Would you like that? And if they say no, you go, okay, well, sorry, or, you know, let me know if you ever do. That's really the key to growing a business because now you've got a plug and play solution. You can organize your labor. You can organize your time. You've got a set fee that you're charging. You know that it takes you six weeks to do it, and yet they're paying you at least 12 weeks worth of overhead. And the more you do that, the quicker you get to that one year of savings. Uh, it's, it's just a matter of optimizing your products. And you know, if I were in your shoes, I'd be working on that first. And then when you have the money, I would, I would actually buy a whole new staff and start making games and continue with the cash cow of making the whatever that product is that you can deliver every six weeks. And essentially at that point, you've become your own bank. You're raising your own capital by just selling goods and services to go risk the capital on creating products that you might be able to sell in the open market. Yeah, no, I, and that's the path that I had been leading towards the whole time, which is good to like get a sounding board here. Great, do you think you'll be able to use any of this advice? Yeah, this is a, a situation where I've been mulling over the various options in my head. Um, this was the way I wanted to go. I didn't want to give up ownership. The team owns 100% right now. And, you know, we're going to hit, you know, 2.5 million in revenue in our first year. So uh, we'll be able to be in a fairly good, healthy situation in six months where we can we can take a stab at it. But it's the reassurance that that is the right thing to do is to build up your cash reserve and then 
and then take your chance at building your own product. It's not a right and wrong. It's a personal preference, but I think your instincts are are very, very good. And you want to own it yourself. And you and yo, here's the thing, Ryan. Congratulations. Because the problem that you're dealing with, you don't deal with it unless you have a really profitable company. You know, nobody else, very very few people are going. We got a lot of money coming in. We could do this on our own, but should I take investors? You know, most people have no, they have to take investors if they want to do it. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a different story. But I think you're, it sounds like you're doing really great. You got a great business head on your shoulders. If somebody wanted a game created by you, where would you send them? Ironfoxgames.com or reach out to me directly at uh, ryan at ironfoxgames.com. Sounds great. Here, well, here's a question for you. Do you have a menu of items that people can buy from you somewhere on your website? Like if I went to ironfoxgames.com right now, do you have a menu almost like a restaurant of things that I could buy from you? Uh, no, it's not displayed on the website. It's uh, usually a personal tailored um, conversation that happens. Um, after a reach out or through my network that I've built. One thing that you might consider is actually just maybe even listing the work that you've done before from the very small artwork to the full on large scale games and tell people what you charged for it. You know, it's interesting to me. I'm a big fan of putting a price on it, just letting people know here's what it's going to cost. And uh, it would not surprise me if your business went up. All right, Ryan. Well, I hope that was super helpful, and uh, I certainly enjoyed talking to you. I think you're going to do just great. Yeah, well, thanks so much for your time today, Don. All right, I think Ryan has the, the, he's the right mentality, and that is he, he thinks he can raise the money to do what he wants to do and not have an investor. That's advice for him. However, people take on investors all the time, and sometimes it works. And so it's a good bet. There, there are plenty of stories about people who put a million dollars into something, and now that million dollars is worth $500 million. Well, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's coaching conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement to strengthen and grow your business. And today's plan of action is going to attempt to answer two different questions. One is, should you take on an investor? And the second is, should you invest? So we're going to look at it from both perspectives. And I've got a few thoughts on each one. Should you take on an investor? All right. Well, answer this question. Can you do it yourself? Can you invest yourself? If you can and you believe in your own abilities, I think you should do it. I'm always willing to bet on myself. I just, I just am. And not only that, if I bet on myself, I find that I work a lot harder and I get it done. There's a motivation there that's really, really strong. Also, if it works, I own the whole thing. You know, I've invested in a couple things uh, before and, uh, one of them, the business owner, had the money to scale it but didn't want to use their money. They wanted to use my money and some other people's money. And that made sense. You know, they, they didn't want to lose their money and they had a great idea and so on and so forth. You know what happened? I lost all my money. I lost all of it, uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars. And I, I now see that as a little bit of a red flag. Not that the, the investor wanted my money or, or needed my money. They didn't need my money. They had the money to do it. So they wanted to gamble with my money instead of theirs, and they wanted to do the work. All right, second question. Do you want to grow a company, or do you want an investor to bail you out of a current problem? <laughs> it's a great question to ask. Uh, if you want an investor to bail you out of a current problem, I you got to know you're probably ripping off an investor. And I, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that to your reputation. You know, if, if you've got a problem 
and you need an investor because you've got a giant hole in your boat, that investment better plug that hole. If that investment is going to get you your money back that you've lost before the thing goes under, uh, I think you got it. You got a, an ethics issue, and I just want to point that out. Also, if you are an investor, you want to find out. You know, do they want to grow this company? Or are they trying to bail themselves out of a problem that it didn't work? All right. The next question that you want to ask before you take on an investor is: Does the investor bring anything else to the table besides money? Here's what I'm getting at: the perfect investor is going to bring more than money. They're going to bring customers who will place orders. That's the kind of investor you're looking for. Somebody who can put in, you know, $250,000, but they have reached to, to the perfect demographic that could buy this product. That's the kind of investor that you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who can help you grow the company, not just give you money. In fact, you might give them 10% of the company for no money, as long as you've got an agreement on what they're going to do to reach out to that uh, that customer base and give you some orders, right? I mean, ultimately, you're looking to grow a company. All right, the next question is, should you invest? So some of you are thinking of investing in a company. You've, you've heard the numbers. You saw the pitch. It really looks good. A ton of questions here, though. One is, do you really know what you're talking about? Do you really know what you're looking at? Do you know how this thing will make money? Because it can get you can get so hung up with well, you know, if you put in a quarter million, this thing could go to a billion and your quarter million is going to be worth $250 million. And we think we can get this thing done in seven years. You can get so hooked on a story like that, that you don't look into it deeply enough to see that it's just a crock, right? That this doesn't work, that you actually can't take a droplet of blood and get enormous amounts of data from it so that nobody ever needs to give blood and t send it to a testing facility again. And I think you know what I'm referring to. Because you get hung up on, on the opportunity the, to make money. You got to look into it. Here's another question that you want to ask before you invest. Is the company already profitable? Listen, I, I don't like, and I've done it before, but I don't like going in as an investor when the product doesn't exist. And I don't like going in as an investor when the product does not exist and nobody's ordering it in exchange for money. In fact, what I would do is I would actually go in and say, hey, I'm really in, I really want to invest in this. Let's skin a landing page and let's, uh, let's put together a wait list and let's see how many people would want to order this. And I would test that, maybe put 10 grand into a landing page and test that. And when it's crickets and nobody wants it, then you go back to the people who wanted the money and say, listen, I don't think this is going to work. I could be wrong. They're going to squeal and holler and tell you all the ways that you're wrong. You're not wrong. You put the cheeseburger on the menu and nobody wanted it. Here's another way to say it. Will your investment be the straw that broke the camel's back or will it be the funding to clone a camel? <laughs> in other words, if you put the money in, is it that last bit of money that's going to blow the company up or is it the money that the, invest, the, the people who are taking the investment going to use to see if their idea might work? I don't like see if their idea might work. I really don't like it. Uh, I like it exists. It's making money. We got orders out the wazoo. We just need a facility to produce these things. Now you got me. All right, I'm very interested. Show me your orders. All right, here's another question. Is this person motivated? Do they have something to prove? Are they passionate? Do they love their product? Do they love their customer? Are they just not going to take a loss for crying out loud? They're going to make this thing work. You're looking for that person. All right, here's the final one. Are you willing to lose your money? Are you willing to lose your money? 
Uh, if you're not willing to lose your money, don't do this because this is a there's a risk when you're investing in a company. And the real strategy for all these investors is they bet on a lot of them. You know, they bet on 10, 20, 30 companies and four of them work out. That's how so many businesses work, by the way. The music business here in Nashville, you're buying 500 songs a year from songwriters. You're trying to put those songs into the the mouths and on the records of big country artists, and 12 of them are going to make you money. Everything else you lose money on. And, but the 12 of them are going to make you a ton of money and allows you to go to invest in 1,000 more. This is, how, um, this is how publishing works too. Those of us who write books, publishing company will print, a big company will print 200 books a year. Eight of them become bestsellers, right? 192 of them don't. That's how it works. And as an investor, you want to be thinking the same way. You want to bet on 10 companies and you're hoping the two of them really work out. All right, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking this episode is for the rich folk. This is for people who have money uh, to invest in other companies. Well, listen to me. You know, if you keep managing your business like an airplane, if you keep tending to the six parts of your business, it will probably grow. And you will probably be in a place where you got some extra cash and, and, and you can do something with it and you might want to invest. And it will probably happen sooner than you think. But investing can be a really great thing. It's a great thing for folks like you to help companies grow. We live in an ecosystem, in a financial ecosystem. And that ecosystem a lot of times depends on private equity and, uh, and outside investments. That's just the way it is. All right, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we help you build your business like an airplane so you can fly it far and fast. See you next week.